not that I've completely bankrupted myself, but I found myself in that role in relationships where it's like, you love them so much. You just want to give them everything. Yeah. And so, um, and often I think the roles are reversed. Like I had a, someone text me and they said, is this about you finding sugar daddies? I was like, I'm a sugar daddy. <laughs> <laughs> What up, what up, what up, everybody? Welcome back to another one of my convos. Today, joining us, another very special guest, an artist, musician, indie artist, I believe. Are you in that? Okay, we'll get into all that. And um, Lyra, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is great. Okay, so, I mean, right at the back, like I always like to start um, kind of talking about your background, how you got into music, kind of growing up, like, what was your kind of childhood like, and how did you first kind of get interested in music and like find this passion for it. Yeah. So music I've always done longer than anything else. I started piano when I was three and then was playing that my whole life. I grew up in a small town where, you know, sang at church on weekends. So the church very much got me into music. Um, and then had a band in high school, with my brother, um, okay. and you know, was their singer. And in college, I started getting more into dance music and producing. So that was whenever I first started learning Ableton. Um, And and then, I mean, I took a different path. Like I worked a design job after college um, and I was always making music on nights and weekends. And so through that time, it was getting better at production, trying to figure out what my sound was um, because my background, it felt more rooted to my piano. And so that made it feel kind of like singer songwritery. Um, And then how to push that in a dance direction through the production. Um, So, you know, it's the journey of that. Yeah. So you said you and your brother started a band. Um, What was the name? And then what was like kind of your guys sound? Oh man, the name was so corny. <laughs> um, the sound is emo. <laughs> okay. Like we changed the name a lot of times. I think what we landed on whenever we were doing some shows was Caduceus. <laughs> Caduceus. Caduceus. It's like the medical symbol of like the snakes. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm. I'm not exactly sure why we landed on that. <laughs> Okay. But yeah, that was it. (laughs) So who are some like your biggest um like influences coming up? Like who were the musicians that you were listening to when you were younger that like made you want to like start doing your own? Yeah. Well, whenever I was younger, so I was singing at church and then there was, you know, like with it being a small town, you don't have a lot of vocal coaches in it, but there was one near me and she taught opera. So I sing opera growing up. And so a lot of my inspiration back then was like, um, you know, Sarah Brightman. I, these names will probably not resonate, but people more on the opera side. Okay. Um, but then I wanted, I, I got to this point where I couldn't make my voice sing anything that wasn't opera. Like I was trying to sing what was on the radio and it had this operatic tone to it. And so I went through like a vocal crisis um, and then started gravitating towards singers more like 
Nora Jones was one where I was just like, how do I sound like her? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Or even like Christina Aguilera, but I I could not sound like her. And I was just like, I don't know what she's doing. Um, Yeah. And and so I feel like inspiration wise, I just, I took it from so many different pieces uh, vocally, but then sound wise, I was always more drawn to uh, a darker sound like anything uh, like film soundtracks I listen to a lot of that and I just play that on the piano um, more like Nine Inch Nails Trent Reznor was very inspired by him um, the Postal Service Death Cab for Cutie um, not that I felt like that was my sound back then but I was just very you know like engulfed in that music yeah. um yeah, Jenny Lewis. Yeah, with um, the Postal Service, but but yeah. I mean, it sounds like you had like a pretty wide kind of gamut of like music that you had like touched on or like listened to at some yeah. point throughout your life. Yeah, and then in college, it was more of the dance side. Um, like that was when I first started getting into electronic music um you know like Swedish House Mafia Dead Mouse um yeah and hearing vocals on that um I I wanted to create that feeling and that experience because growing up singing at church like that felt like the polar opposite of it and then I was you know, meeting other people at college that I would add vocals on their tracks and then we'd sing them at basement parties I'm like this is so much better than like <laughs> singing in front of a congregation that I can be at these sweaty basic parties and like drink tequila and sing, <laughs> but you know, on brand. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, okay. yeah, in college, just gravitated a lot more towards the dance side. I wasn't yet a producer, but I was trying to figure out how do I now write music that lives in this world. Okay. And, um, so you kind of took like a different route into music. You also have like a background in tech. Um, I believe you yeah. said that you had worked at like meta and like Facebook and did a bunch of yeah. stuff over there. So kind of like, how did you get into that? And like, yeah, how that kind of like that stop or whatever pit stop, whatever kind of like help you decide what you want to do in music. Yeah. Well, it was like, I always wanted to be doing music, but realistically it just doesn't make sense i have no idea how i would graduate and then do music full-time and make a living to support myself just like it it doesn't add up (laughs) yeah Um, it's it's very tough road yeah and so it's like well gotta do something else and i applied to school as a bio major um just like completely casting aside any music plan. I was like, I guess I'll become a doctor. (laughs) Um, And then I hated that. And uh, I was also not doing well in my bio classes. So that was kind of a function that I uh, had to find a different major. Um, And because I was on an honors scholarship and if I did not continue like if I continued on the path that I was on, I would have lost my scholarship. So I was forced to change my major. <laughs> um, yeah. So I just switched to advertising because I'm like, well, this will be easy. 
Um, and it was in that time that I started finding product design and I just, I'm completely self-taught. I would pull in other people that knew it and I'd be like, Hey, can I buy you smoothies? And like, will you critique my work? Um, and so that was my education. Like back, that was in Photoshop back then, a lot of YouTube tutorials and just like soaking up everything I could from people around me. Um, and so, yeah, it was my freshman year that I found design. Um, and I was like, this is just it's fun. <laughs> like the, is that what you were doing at like Meta and Facebook product design? I was doing product design, which said, I guess just to quickly give a breakdown of what that is. It means that you, know, like you are designing the experience of the app. Um, okay. So I work on things like newsfeed, stories, and you're... You know, you've got a problem to solve. Like, what can I say that is vague or that has shipped? Um, okay, even comment replies, that's something that shipped recently and I worked on that. Um, of, you know, how might we let people give visible feedback on stories and what does that look like? Um, should it be more around the sentiment of it or like actually show comments? And so you're given a problem like that and then you explore the wide range of how to solve it. Um, and then you design all those out, you do research on them. So it is the pixel side, you're looking at the whole flow of how to design it out. Um, and then you're just curious and obsessed and you, see how it performs and then you ship something from it or you don't ship anything at all. Um, and you pass on the learnings to the next team. Um, but yeah, so I worked there for five years where it was like right under five years. Um, before that I had worked at other startups right out of college. Uh, like Gumroad was one of them, worked at another startup called Omni and then worked at Meta. Well, okay. And like, how was kind of like your experience there and how do you, like, how'd you transition back into music from there? So I was always making music during that time. Like, even after I graduated and was working all these jobs, I was always making music on nights and weekends. Um, and actually going to Facebook, it was because I wanted more time to make music. And just very realistically, I, I wanted more money to make the music. Yeah. Um, I wasn't yet at a point production wise where I felt like I was capturing the right vocals and sound wise. It just, it wasn't at like the high fidelity that I wanted it to be. Um, and, and so I wanted some money to be able to afford studio time so I could work with engineers that could help me get my sound closer to what I was hearing. Cause it's like, you know, you've got that gap. It's like, yeah. you're making Thing, but you like you want it to sound here so that was a way for me to get it closer um i thought i would have a lot more free time working at meta than a startup i was wrong about that um well a few years of being there and then i had to figure out um the game <laughs> okay and yeah. then you went um from there did but you I like, liked it. it was you... oh i'm sorry go ahead no, go ahead I was just going to say it, it was an incredible work experience. Um, it is very challenging. It will fully consume your brain. 
Um, like I'm pretty sure my brain has been rewired from the experience, uh, but you're paid well and that's the trade-off. Yeah. yeah. And the people you work with are incredible, like truly incredible. That was the best part of working there. I mean, yeah. so it's not like this giant evil company that a lot of people consider it to be, or like, you know, have that perception. That's, of. The, that's the thing. It's like, it has such a PR problem and I wish that that could be corrected. Um, and it's not like it's specific to Facebook. The people that work there, they work all the other places too, but those places don't have the same PR problem. It's like people on tech, you float from one company to the other. Um, and, and yeah, you'd see the people that they're doing incredible work and they care about the user experience so much, but that then doesn't get reflected on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I also think it has to do with just any company that's like gets that big, you're always going to have kind of like, you know, that, that kind of backlash towards anything that, that size and that big, but considering like Instagram and like Facebook, uh, like social media in general, just like so big in the role of music in these days, like, did you learn anything while you were there in terms of like how to like promote your stuff, how to like handle like algorithms and like social media when it comes to like getting your music and getting attention out there? Oh, absolutely. Not so much on the algorithm side and cause like that always changes, but more of the process size side. And I would say that it is the tech side that has helped me to get music to the point that it is. Um, even last year when I, so let's see, February, 2022 was whenever I quit my job. I had around 20,000 monthly listeners then. And now it is, I think it's around 350,000. It did spike to 500,000 for a hot minute, but then it dipped down. Um, And I think a lot of that is just because I was used to building products. And now you go through your research iteration phase, which that is music creation. And then your product launch planning phase, which that's like getting your music release ready. And then seeing the reaction and seeing how you can have it resonate and be as successful as possible. And so it uses a very similar part of your brain. It's like, how do I make the best thing possible for people? Because at the end of the day, it's like the music that I make, it's, I make music for me, but then the music that I put out, it's for other people. So I'll change songs to make it what I think will resonate best. Like I love all of it, but I'll, I'll make so many different versions of songs. And then it's like, well, what will other people like best of what I love to make? Um, and that's very similar to product work. Although that's not like creative fulfillment. You are solely focused on the people that you're designing for and trying to make the best experience possible for them. Um, but yeah, just having a process of knowing how do you design products and pick the right path and test them and then release something. Um, it's very similar to music. Yeah, that's a good answer. I mean, it makes sense that you would kind of like approach it, I think differently than like a lot of people that just like hop into music because you have kind of seen both sides and like how tech has such a huge kind of hand in music these days. Um, but also, Oh, I would say like one other thing with that, it's not just the music you make, but more of the strategy of like, how do you package it up? 
How do you create stories around each song? How do you make it resonate with anyone? Like on one step, it's putting out a song and putting out a larger project then making content for all those things to try to pull in an audience around it. Um, and all those layers, it, it feels like a product process. That makes sense. I yeah. mean, speak about like products, like you also, you also had put out something before, like it was called the record deal simulator. Um, yeah, I love that one. Did you put that out while you were at Meta, like, or after you left? While I was at Meta, yeah. Okay. And can so, you like kind of break that down for people? Like, what is? Yeah, um, and that wasn't something that I solely did. I did the design of it. It okay. was for CreateSafe, so that's Grimes Management. Um, and they manage a few other artists and. They just saw how record deals were broken and people didn't actually understand what they were signing. And so their goal was they just wanted to make something that would easily, quickly break down your record deal and show you how many streams would you need to break even. Because so many artists don't realize that. It's like they'll sign deals, but they won't know how many streams do they need to start making $1. Yeah. Um, we'll surprise you. <laughs> were you shocked when you saw Oh, definitely. But I think more shocked to see the reaction to it. Um, and even I had friends that used it um, that, yeah, understood their deals differently through it. Yeah, I have one friend that, somebody that I met after having put that out and is now a friend, and they said they negotiated their publishing deal through it. I'm like, that is incredible that it's not just showing you whether or not you need the deal but it can help you understand how the numbers break down so that even if you know you want to sign it, it's more of a, you know, like understanding of how the deal is and can help you negotiate through it. Okay. So I mean, I, it, I it was like very impressive was, when I saw it. Yeah. And it's like that, that empowers artists and we need more tools like that. So how does that kind of like change your approach to like the industry and like labels and, and deals and stuff like that? Yeah. And I, I don't think, you know, it's not like label deals are evil and bad. It's just Depends on who you ask. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they are complex and they are not designed to be easy to understand. And so, yeah. Um, it's like so many people think that that is the success of just signing a deal. It's like, that's just, step one <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah i mean i'm independent um i don't have plans on signing tomorrow um you know conversations happen i it would have to make sense yeah okay not like it's out of the question but it's more like can i still push this harder yes um, I, I don't think I'm at a point in this exact moment where it makes sense, but I could see it. <laughs> it depends. Will you, like, will you be using the record deal simulator when they, Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, is the team alignment there? Would they understand the vision? Um, and then, yeah, just like numbers wise, does it break down to make sense? Because yeah. I've with my music myself, like I have treated myself like I'm in my own label deal. Um, you know, where I'll take on design work 
two fun projects. Like music is not, uh, yeah, it doesn't pay. I, I have not made money from music yet. <laughs> yeah, I have made money, role. but I have not, I'm not like net, you know, positive. Okay. <laughs> um, so, you, you know, you made the switch. You put out a project, drain my bank account, an EP. Um, this is your first full project. Second. Second. Okay. In a, so, in a minute. <laughs> I think I kind of understand the title, but like, can you guys, can you tell me like me yeah. behind the title and how you came up with it and, and whatnot? Yeah. Um, so drain my bank account. It is about bankrupting yourself for love. Um, and I, it's unfortunately, uh, true. <laughs> Not that I've completely bankrupted myself, but I found myself in that role in relationships where it's like, you love them so much. You just want to give them everything. Yeah. And so, um, and often I think the roles are reversed. Like I had a, someone text me and they said, is this about you finding sugar daddies? I was like, I'm a sugar daddy. <laughs> um, and so it's like, this is a, uh, a romantic capitalist song. Like, you know, in our in our age of how you show love, it's like if you give someone all your money, that's gotta mean something, right? Yeah. Good <laughs> could mean something. <laughs> yeah. Um okay. and so that's one of the you know the songs that I've made since leaving that up. Um these are all my favorite songs in the EP. And that one, it's just, I, I haven't made something else that lets me live in that world. The feeling is just, I don't know, there's nothing else I've listened to that puts me in that specific world. And so that's why I wanted that one to be the leading single. Okay. And um... it's romantic, it's emotional. Like I make a lot of, you know, crying in the club music, but now it's at the point where I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to make it for different rooms. This, this is crying in the back room of the club music. <laughs> so all I was gonna say is like, what is what's was kind of like your creative process behind all these songs and like the project as a whole? Yeah. Um, well, first it was just writing. I I wasn't thinking about any of it being a project yet. I was just making things and Drain My Bank Account is one that I had written. Uh, I mean, over two years ago. Yeah, because I was in San Francisco when I wrote it. Um, but whenever I would show demos to friends, that one would always stand out. So I knew that that would make its way you know, into a project in the future. Um, and then sometimes it's like, it's just more strategic to put songs together as a project. Yeah. So I was first putting songs out last year. Um, you know, like sorry cbs was the first one and then in the leaves I, I with sorry cbs i wasn't like thinking of a larger project with it but then when i put out in the leaves i started thinking about what songs i wanted to be you know on this ep together um and because it felt like a new chapter for me like, this was the first time that i was making music without having a full-time very time-consuming day job yeah. Um, and so, 
Yeah, it's that push of what can I actually make with all this time? And what is the spectrum of sound that I want to cover in that? Like, not all the songs are on the dancey side. Everyone else, that one is a little more stripped back, kind of cinematic. Um, yeah, it's yeah, so almost ballad. Yeah, and so I just, yeah. I wanted all different moments that it could live in. And, and with everything, I, I wanted to feel like I can be a soundtrack for someone. And, and I wanted to make sure that the pockets were different. Like no song lives in the same world as the others. It's my voice <laughs> that holds it together. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, who were like, well, first of all, like who are the producers? Like who, who do you work with when you come to like making a song and like, how do you like yeah. find that process working with somebody else? Oh yeah. So I produce on everything. I, I produce every demo. Produce song okay. Yeah. Which to be honest, I need to figure out how to communicate this better. Um, because yeah, people don't realize that I produce on it. And I think it's just a, people also aren't used to featured vocalists, woman producers. So this is a very conscious thing where now I, I need to like make more content of me like breaking down songs and able to even how they start. Um, but yeah, so my process with this, I produce every demo of it. So I love writing all the pieces of it to figure out what is the core of the song? What is the type of sound that this is in? Um, and then I bring in people to take it from here to here. It's like, I want it to be the best song possible. Ego wise, I don't need to be the only one that works on it. I could, um, but that's not my goal. Like I'm not scratching this itch of just being the only writer producer on my songs. I want to make the best thing possible. And with working in tech, we had huge teams. Um, We got good products out of it. Um, You don't always need huge teams, but you need very focused people in different parts. And um, I won't always keep new production that comes in but I'll throw a track around to a few friends and I'll see what they add. And then I pull the pieces together and I, I love that, that process of it. Cause it's like, I, you also become surprised. Um, even in dream, my bank account, I originally didn't have the chorus in that like stuttered effect of it. It actually felt more like just an indie dance kind of song. Um, and then I worked with this producer, Bumbasi, and he added that. And I was singing a bunch of ooze in that session, and we layered all of it together. And we're like, okay, that's the chorus. <laughs> yeah. But if I hadn't had that session with them where we played around with it, it's like we wouldn't have arrived to that point. Yeah. And so I do love that because it's, you know, that part of the process of bringing people in. Because music is also very lonely. It's like you're just you're by yourself making the songs, making content, responding to people. And so when you get the chance to pull people into your music, it's like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't know you you were the producer Brian, everything. You didn't I didn't I didn't see self-produced, self, you know, all that like like normally when people like put it out there, it's like the first thing in the title, self-produced EP from 
So maybe, yeah, you should put that out there that you, that you were behind on. Because I also don't want to be like, you know, take all the credit. I mean, I made the songs with other people. So I have to find that balance of how do I make it clear that I produce on everything that I put out? Um, but then I also call in friends to make it the best thing possible. Yeah, I mean, I think you just put self-produced <laughs> and then, you know, give credit to where the credits are due for sure. But it, it definitely changes things knowing that you were the one like we're behind all the production and everything. Cause I was like, who, I was like, who, who, who <laughs> stuff, you know? Yeah. So kind of what are some of your influences when you were like creating some of the songs? Like what do you pull from when you like come up with these ideas? Yeah. Um, well, I've got to say it's, it's often not, having a specific artist in mind when I'm diving into the sound more so after the fact that I'm like, who does this sound like? Like, yeah. Who can I pair this song with? Um, and even when you drain my bank account, like that lives in a world of Lana meets Joji meets Bloom. Um, I would say influence wise. I mean, Fred, again, I have loved Fred for years. <laughs> he is a, having a moment and yeah. I will never fly away from my love of him. Um, yeah, he was my pandemic soundtrack where I was like, that was it, it. I mean, his music actually made me see dance music differently and yeah. how far you can push the personal lo-fi aspect of it, of like pulling in audio poetry and interviews and conversations with friends. Um, and and then making it feel, I mean, feel cinematic, not in like a Hans Zimmer way, but it is so incredibly emotive. Um, and and yeah, so Fred again on the writing side, more of like Licky Lee, Sasha Sloan. Um, I really love their writing, and so when I've had to describe my sound to people, it's like writing of Licky Lee, Sasha Sloan, pushed towards the side of dance of like Fred again, Odessa. Um, and then, you know, it starts more singer songwritery and what I am making, but then I always push it to, to become bigger than that. And most often that ends up being on the house side. Um, but not every track ends up being house. I always make a house version. It's not always the best one. Um, so it's like even everyone else that song I put out I had a house version of that song but it's like no that's not the it's not the core version yeah okay. <laughs> um but yeah influence wise I mean also just like uh, going back Radiohead was a huge inspiration for me and Reznor um some more of that darker side um love this artist Chloe um, I haven't put out music in a while, but I was really inspired by them a few years ago. Um, okay, uh, uh, who else? Lauren, Burial. Um, yeah. I mean, there are songs where it's like they're the perfect song, and even like Teenage Cry by Adrian Lux. That's one that I keep coming back to recently. And that came out 
years ago, maybe 10 years ago. I don't know. Mm. But that is a perfect song. I want to make a song that makes you feel that way. So I have a lot of songs like that. <laughs> okay. And how's the response been so far to the, to the EP, the releases and, and everything? It's been good. Um, and with this, I mean, I've put out a lot of singles before the EP, so I got to see the response coming in. Uh, I can tell which ones the favorites are. And they're also the ones that are easy to gravitate towards. Also, yeah. sorry about the sirens. I don't know if that's Sorry. coming. Nope. Can't hear it. Um, the one that stands out in the leaves. I mean, people love that one. Um, I do like that song. It's a great song. Like got <laughs> a good mix between, like you said, kind of like that more lo-fi singing and kind of poppy, but then it's also got like that extremely danceability, like that dance energy to it. That I think it's a great mix. Yeah. And you can just tell from not always the comments that you get on things, but when people take the time to message you, I've received more messages about that song than any other song. And it's cool to see it. It's like people saying, someone messaged the other week and said they were having a really dark time in life. They found that song and they just had that on repeat. That's the best message you can receive. Yeah. So it feels good. Got it. Yeah. Um, so in the leaves has definitely stood out as a favorite for people. Um, I mean, Dream My Bank Account, that one just came out a few days ago, but so far the response is good on that one. Okay. Yeah, so now <laughs> Do you have yeah. a favorite track yourself? Hmm. Yeah, I love all of them. It, you know, it's like children. Um, I think. Yeah, but all parents say that, but there's always a favorite. <laughs> I mean, for me, it would either be In the Leaves or Drain My Bank Account. Okay. Um, the bridge of Drain My Bank Account is one of my favorite things that I've ever made. I get, it can still cheer me up, even though I've listened to it, I don't know, at least a hundred times in the final chord. And normally you get very sick of your music. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that, that bridge still gets me. Um, but in the leaves is a special one, more so why I wrote that, that I hadn't yet quit my job and well, I had a dream where I kept waking up outside of my home. Like I woke up on the sidewalk in San Francisco and it was a very vivid sunrise and just this calm euphoria. I could see that my car was over there and I didn't even choose to sleep in my car. I chose to sleep on the sidewalk. Um, and at another point in the dream, I woke up in a bunch of crunchy leaves on the side of a highway. And I was trying to figure out how to get home. And yeah, in the dream, I just, I kept choosing to leave my home or bed or car and sleep outside. Um, and I had a session with a friend, Benji, and I was telling him about it. And I'm so thankful that we had the session because I don't know that I would have made the song without him. And I think sessions are really beautiful in that way. And that it's kind of therapy mixed with music. And yeah, we talked about how it's probably related to that current life situation of deciding, do you stay in the comfort and stability of a job or do you quit? And lean into whatever you know, 
instability is next and then it doesn't have to be you know, like this anxious thing that it can be kind of beautiful um, so yeah we wrote the song about it and actually it was it leaned a lot more folk in the writing of it um like the production of it um, and and yeah so of course you know waking in the leaves again never needed more it's like you can strip back everything um and so that song's always going to be special just because that was the one that I made before I quit the job to do this chapter. Yeah. Okay. All right. And, yeah. um, <laughs> you have any like future goals, any plans yeah. for the future shows, tours, working towards the uh, full LP? Like what do you, what do you have, uh, coming on the pipeline? <laughs> okay. So let's see. Right now, I've got a bunch of features for other people that I'm, I'm finishing up or need to cut vocals for. I need to finish writing. So now that I'm out of EP mode, at least on like, you know, the production, writing, putting outside, um, I'm finishing up feature work. And then I just want to explore what the sound is next of what I want to make. Um, so I'm going to take July and August just to make as much as possible. And see you know, if I can go into this with more of a blank canvas. What do I want to make? Um, and it'll probably push on the dancing side because honestly, I see that that does best with all the music that I make. Um, but, but yes, I've, I've got features. I want to start writing on my next project. And I also want to pull more people into that. Um, and, you know, just to see collaboration wise. Of where I can push myself. Um, I haven't been in show mode, but I know I need to. So that's on the list. Um, and to keep promoting the EP because the promo never stops. <laughs> no, it does not. Oh, um, yeah. But um, yeah. Um, thank you for talking to us. Like, I think it's yeah, a great, great project. I think. You have a very interesting story and like kind of background and intro into into music and i think that you have a very unique kind of sound that i, I could see doing extremely well and i think that people should should definitely go check it out and go run those streams up for you run the streams up <laughs> yeah i really appreciate this <laughs> yeah thank you and uh you know maybe we'll talk again in this feature <laughs>